Welcome everybody to the Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Hani Rambod. I'm here with my co-host, Dave, and we are live. How's it going, brother? Good. How are you? Good, good. I'm super happy because I like your backdrop because it's the picture of a gym. So for those of you that are listening on this iPod or what, what, what do they call that? Podcast? Podcast style? Yeah, yeah, through the podcast, through um, iTunes. That's the word that I was looking for, whether it's iTunes or through Spotify. We have a great background today with uh, David basically has a gym background and here, unlike many other places, the gym has finally opened. We have a 10% in Northern California Bay Area capacity that has just been open last week, um, this last four or five days. So I think we're all excited to have the gyms open. I don't know if Southern California is open back up yet. Uh, you know anything about that, David? I don't, I don't think so. I don't, not yet. I think they're close, but not yet. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So I think they're the last place that hasn't opened yet. And after over a year of this, it's been nuts. And for mental health reasons alone, besides all the health benefits of having a gym open, I do believe that we need to hurry up and open this all up. But um, it's been good, man. Have you been able to train? Yes. Yes, I have. Been back. Been back in uh, back home. Feels good. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this Q&A. So again, before we start, just a little bit of housekeeping. Guys, you have been doing a great job reviewing on iTunes as well as Spotify, the podcast, as well as also sharing and tagging me. And if you can continue to do that, that would be great because it really helps the channel get legs and it makes us want to do more episodes. And for those of you that are doing the commenting on YouTube, it's really great because I get to go in there and interact with you as well. So thank you all for subscribing and making sure to share this on your social media pages because it does go a long way in helping the algorithm and being able to get more people involved and it shows us that people care. So we do more. So again, thank you guys for all the subscribes and likes and comments. Um, but going on to the Q and a, so you got some good questions for me this week. I know I got a print out in front of me that you put together. Yep. I got some good questions, five questions from, from our users here, from our family. So we get ready whenever you are ready to Let's get started. Let's All go. right. Nope. Number one, um, I have 45 minutes because of reservation constraints in my gym. How could I get a good growth workout in a short amount of time? Say 30, 45 minutes. So he's still in a growth phase. This is from Doug. Okay, Doug. So actually that is a very pertinent question, especially in a lot of the places that are just came out of lockdown because they're having a reservation system. I know that the gyms all around here in the Bay Area are using... 10%. So basically that means that if you had like 200 people allowed to come to your gym, now it's only 20%, I mean, 20 people at 10%. So, and they're really limiting. Now I haven't heard a limit that low of 30 to 45 minutes. I've heard the lowest limit I've heard was at one hour. So for those of you that have to work within that, um, personally, because of my personal schedule, I can relate to this because of my schedule of time to be able to train. I try to keep my workouts between 30 to 45 minutes. So that way I can just really make sure I get them done. Number one, and I can maximize my effectiveness. And the way that I do that is basically what, what I'm going to share with you is what I'm, I'm actually personally doing right now. And those are what's called a triple seven workout. So it's an FST seven workout that uses uh, FST seven for the first exercise, FST seven for the second exercise and FST seven for the third exercise. So basically 
uh, you've seen FSC seven used at the very end of a workout, or you see an FSC seven sets happen or work in the beginning of a workout, which we, we call like the preloads. Um, and then we have the reload preload, but this one would be literally all three exercises. So a great example is my workout from a couple of days ago when I did legs, it was extensions doing FSC seven style. Then I went in and I did FST seven for leg press. And then I went in and I did FST seven for hack squat. And so again, it was a quad workout, uh, and got it done all within 30 to 45 minutes. And there were sevens all the way through. So that means that you're taking 45 seconds to rest <laughs> in between your sets. Um, sometimes as quick, uh, you know, as short as 30 seconds of rest. And that really helps maximize the effectiveness of the intensity, but it also helps a little bit of cardio too, because your heart rate is going to be going. And then in between the exercises, it was, I was taking about a three to five minute rest in between the exercises, but just to be able to catch my breath. So I wouldn't get too tired. But, um, but between the sets again, standard efforts, FST seven, 30 to 45 seconds, some will go a little bit longer on legs. Some people will go 45 seconds to a minute. Again, that's all personal preference, depending on how heavy you go, but on the smaller body parts, it's, it's always 30 seconds. But, but that's what I would suggest. Um, that's a lot of volume for sure. And a short amount of time. Do you think people take too long in the gym? Do you think two hours is necessary? No, I think it's two hours is not necessary. I think, I think you're going to have your two hour workout. If you once in a while are going to do a, a really like a crazy workout, you got a buddy or two in there and you guys are all killing it old school style and you're doing legs and you know, that, that could take two hours. Cause you might be, you know, taking a little bit more time to wait for the other person to do their set, especially if there's like an, an extra person in besides a, a workout partner. But for the most part, that's, you want to keep your workouts to 45 minutes to an hour maximum. And then on legs, obviously you need a little bit longer workouts, especially if you end up doing quads and hams together, then it's going to be a longer workout. But yeah, I mean, these guys that are doing two hours, you got to keep your, your texting sets in between, you know, <laughs> a little bit lower. <laughs> so Okay. <laughs> All right. Number two, um, when you have weak points such as arms, so it can be anything, but we'll just go with arms for this question. Is it best to implement a whole workout to biceps and a whole workout towards triceps? What tips would you have in terms of bringing up lagging body parts and what volume or workout intensifiers would you implement in terms of bringing up these body parts from our man snippity dippity? Snippity dippity doc. <laughs> All right. So that, that's a multifaceted question. So no, I don't believe that a full arm, like a full hour, 45 minutes. Biceps and triceps. biceps. Well, no, no, no. Biceps and triceps together. Yes, you could do that, but not just but biceps. Yeah. But, separate. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. It's a little bit crazy. Um, now, have I heard of going in and you're limited on the time and you're just going to do biceps? Sure. Because of time limitations or constraints. But if you actually have the time... What I tend to do is I tend to break up my uh, the body parts where I do a major and minor, classic chest and tricep, let's say, um, back and bicep type of m mo movements where you have a major and a minor body part. And then at the end of the week, I like to do, when I build out my programs, I like to do arms by themselves. And that could be completely changed up depending on if a person's got weaker biceps versus triceps where I like to do, you know, which ones I like to work out first. Um, obviously I always like to get 
ahead of things with having the weaker body part first. So if you have weaker triceps, I'd like to start that off with, uh, start off that arm workout with triceps. But I'm a big believer in doing a, a separate arm workout for people who have uh, lagging arms as a lagging body part. And I like doing them twice a week. So there are times where I've actually built out programs where they've done them even more often than that. But then I'm, what I'm doing is adding certain exercises in with other body parts just to keep the blood flow. And I think that it's really important the to keep the workouts at least twice a week if it's a, uh, a smaller body part like that because they tend to recover faster. So calves can be trained more often. Arms can be trained more often. So yeah, you can definitely do it separate bicep slash tricep workout by itself. And then also doing it with a major and minor and always start off your arm workout with your weaker body part. So if it's biceps that you're trying to really focus on, then start with that. Don't, don't end with it because you're going to be so tired from the tricep workout that you're going to do really, you know, a poor job of being able to get that mind muscle connection on the weaker body part. If you start off with the other one, how many arm days does Phil have? Not that many. Oh, dude. Are you kidding me? Phil Phil's like the worst example ever. <laughs> it was 2011. I'll give you a quick little story. I can't even believe you brought this up. Phil, he, 2011, we got into it three weeks out because I literally told him to stop training arms. And he, mm-hmm. like, actually, it was like almost the whole prep. And then three weeks out, he's like, bro, my arms are shrinking. Da, da, da. And, and, and they weren't, but it was just in his head because he was getting so big everywhere else yeah. through his shoulders. And then I think he trained arms the last like three weeks and he did like three or four workouts and his arms just like, Boop. and because I knew that his arms would always grow really, yeah. really quickly. So I had to, you know, literally tell him, stop training your arms, you know? All right. Number three, do you think in body is accurate? You can change your age and get a completely different body fat percentage with this. Which body fat measurement is the most accurate? DEXA, caliper, hydrostatic dunk tank. And this is from D total package. Or man, D total package. D total package. D total package. (laughs) All right. So when it comes to these things, I get these questions asked a lot. And especially it's, it's funny because a lot of times it comes from bodybuilders that are trying to really dial in those numbers. And I'll believe it or not, when it comes to bodybuilders, we don't even check body fat. We don't use DEXA. We don't use bod pod. We don't use uh, calipers because at the end of the day, whatever that number is, doesn't matter. It's all about what it looks like on stage because we're dealing with competitive bodybuilders. Now, if it's something personal because you're using it to track, my wife uses uh, InBody. She loves it um, because she tracks her clients that way. Uh, and she, what she does is really focuses on kind of maintainability when it comes to uh, journal, like that maintaining that journal to show the effectiveness of her program so that she turns around and says, okay, well, this week, you know, you went from 16% to 15, you know, or you went to from 16 to 15 and a half. And you're going to get these little ups and downs with it, but it creates a little bit of uh, just the analytics to be able to put that in just like kind of like the scale does. Right. So you could lose 20 or 30 pounds and you say, Hey, wow, I lost 20 or 30 pounds. That's great. But then if you find out that most of it was muscle and you're weaker and all that, then you're like, okay, well, what did I really do to my metabolism? And that's what happens with the starvation diets. So when you're looking at these different methods, if it makes you feel better, 
use whatever's most convenient. When I was getting ready for shows and I was competing way back in the day, you know, back when, you know, President Ronald Reagan was president, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was like, you know, back, back, back in the day. But um, what I, you know, we would do calipers because they were really easy. So the other trainers, I'd be like, Hey man, can you, can you, can you just, can you pinch me? You know, that would always be like code for, Hey, can you check my, my, my body fat? And then when, when you got those ultra, you know, guys that wanted to nerd out, they'd be like, no, no, you got to do five, five places. And then it was, you know, cause normally it would be three and then you do five, five spot calipers. And then some, somebody would go in and go and seven. And then one of the guys ended up, you know, in the gym, he was like, oh, I, I only, I do no less than like 10. I'm like 10. And that guy, I think I got, ended up getting fired for harassment or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's one of those things that when you've been in the industry for so long, you've seen a lot of crazy things, but I really feel that you want, they're, they're, they're different. When I did water hydrostatic, uh, dunk testing, hydrostatic dunk testing is very difficult to be accurate because when I did it, I couldn't get all the air out of my lungs. And so it was a huge difference between that number and when I did my calipers and when I did my electrical impedance. And so, because I just, I'm not comfortable with going underwater and blowing all the air out of my lungs. And even though I tried, the guy was like looking at me and I was a week or two out from my show and the number was something that was completely way off. And he said to me, he's like, no, dude, your, your number's wrong. And it was actually done at UC Santa Barbara. And, um, we, I tried it two or three times and I just couldn't feel comfortable with going under there. But I think that when it comes down to it, if you really wanted to be hyper accurate, what you could do is do two or three different ones all done at the same time. And then what you can do is take the average and then use that. If you really want to kind of dial it in, do three different, take the average and then go and say, okay, my average is let's say 15%. And then do the same thing two weeks later, three weeks later, however many weeks later, and then do that again if you really want to be hyper accurate. But InBody does a really good job. I do think though with InBody, you got to be careful when you have a really muscular body, um, like you know, competitive bodybuilder that's an open bodybuilder, things tend to get thrown off a little bit because the algorithm uh, that they use and the programs that they use tend to get a little bit skewed when when you have kind of outside the range of what they consider normal. Do you think that people weigh, it's weighed too much into body fat percentage and also what the scale says? I mean, they're tools, they're small tools, but do you think people uh, put too much precedent on those numbers as opposed to look? Because I'm, I'm assuming you go by look, right? Yeah, Bodybuilders go, go by look. I, I go 100% by look and I go by scale, right? And, and I go by feel. And when I say feel, it means that like, what, how does the workout feel when I ask the client how their energy, their strength and all of those things are, those are gauges that I use. I say, Hey, look, how's, how's your strength right now? And if somebody is dropping off at what I consider an acceptable rate, cause it does, you're not going to be as strong at 12 weeks out as you are going to be three weeks out. I mean, things are changed, you know, you're going to, you're, you're going to get a tend to be a little bit weaker and you're going to get, you're going to lose some endurance just because you're depleted. But if you are going from a 400 pound, 400 pound bench press, let's say, and down to a 135, that means you've lost a considerable amount of muscle. So that's one of those things that you got to be really careful of. So I don't spend so much time on, Hey, what are these numbers for people who compete now? People who don't compete, it's a great, 
ability to throw in an analytic number where you can help gauge where you're going. Okay, cool. Um, number four, my leg development is decent, but I'm lacking outer sweep. So quad outer sweep. Is there some tips to share on how to grow my outer sweep? That's from James. James, outer sweep, outer sweep. Well, I think, uh, I'm trying to think of a... <sighs> An example, I think a lot of people make a mistake with outer sweep and think that a particular exercise is going to help, um, you know, a hack squat over a regular squat, a front squat or whatnot. I think of really what it comes down to more than anything is your form. Uh, people will have their legs too far out. They'll have their feet too far in. They'll, they'll change up things that really the biomechanics are off to be able to get that mind muscle connection. So the things that I found more pressing in terms of what, I guess, you know, when you look at somebody doing an actual squat, how are they, how deep are they going? Are they hitting parallel? Like if you notice Hottie, right? Hottie's really good at hitting parallel. And I've noticed some of the guys that aren't really good at hitting parallel tend to not have as fully developed legs. So getting that range of motion is really, really important. So getting that depth, you know, hitting parallel or breaking parallel really makes a difference. That's number one. Number two, making sure your feet are aligned properly um, because you're naturally going to want to have one foot over the other in terms of like three or four, sometimes up to three or four inches. So look down and make sure your feet are set properly. The other thing is if obviously if you start to squat sumo style with, with your legs and your feet out with your toes pointed outwards, you're going to hit a lot of adductor and you're going to hit glute and adductor. So get your feet about shoulder width, make sure that you're getting into a comfortable stance and make sure you're hitting depth. And if you do that, you want to do it and go all you know up, but without locking your knees to keep constant tension. Those are all tips that are going to really help someone keep that mind muscle connection. And you can take all of that information and transfer that to a leg press or a hack squat machine or, you know, any kind of squat thrust machine. And that will help that outer sweep. So get your biomechanics right. Make sure you're hitting depth. Make sure you're keeping constant tension on the muscle. And all of those things will equate to a better thigh sweep. The other thing also I do, and I've been doing for 25 years, uh, you know, I've been training people is when I'm training people, you'll see me tap on their quads and that'll really help keep that mind muscle connection going. And that's why you'll see me do that or, or tap the upper chest while someone's trying to do, you know, do either incline flies or incline presses. So it's really important to get that mind muscle connection and make sure that they're really focusing on their quads. So that's why you'll see me sometimes tapping, tapping, tapping. And people used to make fun of me years ago. And now you start seeing all these trainers doing it. But, you know, I've been doing that for 25, 30 years now. I mean, it's been, God, almost 30 years. Crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so those are the things, James. All right. Last one here. When I take, when I have taken diuretics in the past, I tend to flatten out. Could you tell me what the best way to dry out without getting too flat? That's from Johnson. Okay. I'm assuming he's talking about shows. So, um, you know, with the show situation, people tend to take water pills and I'm not an advocate of water pills because I come from the natural bodybuilding background. So it's always been less is more. I like to have athletes in shape closer to a show so you can minimize that. There's some trainers out there that start doing, um, you know, when we did the one-on-one -on -one with Dave Palumbo, like this crazy amounts weeks and weeks out. And 
you know, I'm, it's not conducive of a good result. And I think that I, I had the situation with Hadi where he had to drop water. And if we were together and he had that water problem, you know, we were like in actually in the same city because he didn't show up till a couple of days before we would have been able to focus on being able to dry him out. And I would have put him on a really mild herbal diuretic base just to start getting water off of him because I hate this pharmaceutical diuretic look that you see some, some of these people go really, really extreme on. And I remember back in the nineties and eighties, like Lasix was a thing and then people were dying and it was like really, really bad. And I'm sitting here going, wow, you know, there was a lot of uh, Muhammad bin Aziza died. Several others died from these heavy diuretic. So absolutely I'm against that stuff. So I'm all about using little bits of herbal diuretics and maybe even trace minerals and vitamin C about trying to get people drier sooner, further out. And it was such a problem actually this year with the situation that it was like, I, I, one of the reasons why um, I, I picked this question when we were going through all the questions was because I started working on a natural diuretic freevagen because I knew that if I had one, things could have been different. And, you know, with, with hottie, I mean, it would have been different if he had something that, you know, we had, he had with him it, and drying out sooner. Cause you know, the way he looked on Saturday versus the way he looked on Friday was, you know, just an extra four more pounds of water. And if things were, if he was just drier sooner going into it, things would have, it would just would have been a better look. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that the key is to try to really minimize how much water you have to lose and just be in shape sooner. That's the number one thing you could do. Just be in shape sooner because most of the time, most people think it's water. It's not, it's body fat because the, the ratio of body fat to water, the higher your body fat is, the more water you hold. Okay. Now, is there stuff like sodium that has things to do with it? Is it, is there, could be like creatine slash whatever, all these other supplements, could that have things to do with it? Absolutely. Cause I don't like to talk to in absolutes ever. I never like to talk in absolutes, but I'm just talking about generalities. What you want to do is try to look like you're close a week or two out. And you don't want to turn around and say, Hey, I'm going to nail it the night before because that f up fairy that we talked about i'm trying to you know not then you're doing right a lot now. of drastic things right 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 because you don't want to sit there and go crazy because there's a lot of people who do it and then you may nail it or you may not and then you might nail it and look good and then all of a sudden you're cramping up really bad because now you've had a sudden electrolytes um imbalance and those electrolyte imbalances are a bitch on stage and what's going to end up happening is your calves are cramping up you know you got all kinds of crazy stuff happening your hamstrings lock up and that's where I think people start to go crazy. And for that extra little bit, you risk a lot. So with situations like this, that's why I like to do things early and in small little durations of, of you know, when I start to taper off somebody's sodium or uh, reintroduce it then later. How, however, I decide to do that depending on where I feel like person's body is going to peak the best. And I don't use the same cookie cutter system on the same person two different times because their body's different because their hormonal balance could be different. Their training, their nutrition's different. Their nutrition uptake has been different. So I go off of what I see. But one thing is to don't drastically change anything. That's the number one thing. Don't drastically change anything. And make sure, even with the water, like some people will go, oh, I'm going to drink two gallons of water all the way to the night before the show and then I'm just going to cut it out. 
I don't believe in that either. I think what I do is I taper at the end, you know, as my car, the carbs go up, the water tends to get tapered down. Same thing with the, um, the diuretics. If you're going to use a diuretic, use something herbal, use something that's going to be smooth. That's not going to make you lose a ton of water. And then that you can kind of track and kind of pace what that looks like a little further out because that way you don't have to worry about cramping up. You don't have to worry about losing too much. And then also you don't end up having to worry about flattening out because when you start to flatten out too much, you start to look fat. And for those who compete will really know what I'm talking about because your skin tends to thicken up because you've lost the hydration in the muscle. So then you kind of look out of shape, but you're not, you're just super dehydrated. So, and then you lose some of that 3d look too. So you got to balance all these things out between trying to dry out your certain body parts and glutes and your hamstrings and your midsection and all of those areas that are really important. But you also don't want to dry out so much that you lose your chest or your back or your thigh sweep, all of these other areas, depending on what your, you know, that particular body, certain people will flatten out in different body parts differently. So all of those things combined basically tells you that you don't want to do anything dramatic. You don't want to do anything drastic and try to pull a little bit sooner. So, but that's, that's why, you know, one of the things I, I worked on in the last several months was trying to get this water pill dialed in because I wanted to be able to use it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, is, you know. From what you just said, is that why some people look better, not on the show, but like the day after the show? Uh, is it just because they, now they're putting water back in, food back in? 100%. It might have been too flat or too depleted, too dehydrated? Yes. Yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, that's a double-edged sword because... You'll look better always the day after the show when you eat, but you might not have, but then you go, oh, I should have just done with that. And then people will go and start doing that burger, pizza, whatever, you know, extra, extra stuff. And, and then they don't, it doesn't work out because they look good in the gym the next day because they're pushing, but that doesn't mean that they're actually dry enough through their glutes and hamstrings and all of those things. That's why you have to really be able to know how to navigate through the the fog of the diet and the fog of the prep to be able to understand why you should look a certain way at a certain time. Three weeks out, you should have a certain look. One week out, you should have a look. Five weeks out, you should have a certain look. And if you, you know, you see some of these people and you go, wow, this guy looked great at three or four weeks out. And he drank a gallon of water and he had a cheat meal the night before. And in the gym, he looked like Mr. Olympia. And then by the time they hit the stage, they don't look like that because by the time you get the body to be complete, it's different than what that knockout look was at three weeks out with a gallon of water and, you know, a, a sushi cheat meal the night before, you know, you look great in the tank top. You look good, you know, hitting some stuff with the magic light. So yeah, so that's, that's, that's the long answer to your question that, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. So you have to be careful. Some people are legitimately underfed. I know I went through that because I didn't have a coach watching me. So I kind of watched myself and I'm just talking a little bit more about myself lately because some people were asking me about like, Hey, when you used to compete, what did you do? And I go, I learned about a lot of things of what not to do because, you know, I was really young and I basically try to experiment a lot about water manipulation, um, just all kinds of different things that I would do to try to say, Hey, look, and then when I had more and more clients as I was getting older and, and you learn from experience, 
you got to try slight variations to everything with diet, with cardio, with, you know, using fat burners, with all of those different tricks to the trade, uh, how to dial somebody in, dry them out, when to add water back in, you know, everyone's all, you know, where I've had to do that with preps during the last, you know, 48 hours, uh, adding fluids back in when certain looks were not being, you know, weren't, weren't coming to fruition. And um, it was anti, you know, intuitive if you basically go, oh, I'm supposed to cut water, I'm supposed to cut water. And sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes, you know, that's not the case. That's why you have to try to be able to bounce. Uh, you have to be open-minded about about what you're doing. So people could look better, but that doesn't mean that they would have looked better for the show. They could have under ate or over dehydrated. But a lot of people definitely over dehydrate because they're using harsh pharmaceutical diuretics. And then what ends up happening at the end is they pull from the muscle because your body doesn't know whether that diuretic is going to actually pull from under the skin or pull from the muscle or both. And, you know, it just really depends on what, how much water you're holding and how your body takes to that particular diuretic. And like I said, many, many people right now are using very, very, very strong diuretics and highly you know, suggest against that practice because not only are they dangerous, but they also tend to flatten you out to the point where you actually lose that fullness and that 3D look. And that's what you're all, everyone's trying to achieve. Perfect. Those are the questions. That was it. That's it. Yep. Awesome. Thank you. Well, guys, again, if you like what you hear, make sure you like and subscribe. And if, if you can share that, that'd be even better. So uh, I appreciate, you know, David, my co-host for being on here and helping me with all these questions all the time. Um, and I want to say also, um, thank you to all the fans out there. Uh, I'm just hit a million followers on Instagram and nice. I haven't been able to say thank you. <laughs> so I am going to be doing a giveaway on my Instagram. So by the time you see this, maybe, um, that it's probably going to be going on and, uh, check it out because I am going to be doing a massive giveaway tied to that. 1 million mile, uh, follower mark. So again, thank you for all your support for all the fans worldwide. I really appreciate all of you. So I'm Hani Rambod, my co-host David, and that's the truth.